to DSO Overflow. I'm Michael Mann, the founder and organiser of the DevSecOps London Gathering, a monthly community meetup for anybody involved with factoring security into their delivery. In this episode, we talk to Matthew Joyce, someone I have known for many years and respect in the security industry. Let's hear him introduce himself. Sure. My name's Matt Joyce. Uh, I'm uh, a security architect. A, my history in IT began back in the 80s as a software developer in C, C++. And I've been in security now for 20 years. Uh, started with a, a master's in security at Royal Holloway. That was my entry into security. Uh, that's taken me through a number of uh, roles. I've been freelance now for around 10 years and uh, that's brought me to where I am today. The reason why I invited Matthew onto the show is because he had kicked off a project which uses serverless technology. So I thought it would be great for him to share his initial experience with adopting this. I have a background as a software developer and I've I've continued to just uh, keep my, my skills relatively uh, live. Uh, but I had a need to quickly stand up an API that would uh, scale. That was the key requirement, that, that it could scale very quickly. So the, the initial task was it had to do a very simple job, but I had to be able to uh, provide concurrent execution of this API um, for hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands requests. And so I decided to look at serverless technology and I started with AWS Lambda. It was the, the most widely written about. So I thought I would start there. And you know, my entry into that was to fire up the AWS console, open up the Lambda um, console and start typing code directly into that console. You know, it gives you an editor and you can write code and run it all from this console. So that was my very quick, you know, within a couple of hours, I had an API gateway linked up to a very simple piece of uh, Python code uh, in AWS Lambda, and I could make API calls to it. And it appeared to immediately satisfy that, uh, that scaling requirement. Uh, I could didn't seem to be any apparent limit. I was able to, I, I couldn't manage to saturate it. Uh, so I was, I was impressed with that very first sort of uh, couple of hours uh, prototype and decided to invest a lot more time into it. So I continued writing Python code directly into the AWS console. Uh, and I was soon, I was triggering uh, Lambda functions from S3 buckets when files arrived from events in, in DynamoDB, from notifications in the simple notification service uh, uh, or the, uh, the queue service in AWS. Um, I was looking back at the events that you can trigger Lambda functions from now and they, they've got partner event sources. So you can do things like if a ticket happens in my Zendesk implementation, that can trigger uh, uh, an AWS Lambda function. So it's it seems to be an expanding ecosystem. Serverless, why should someone use it instead of playing safe and spin up VMs or even create containers? You, you just captured it. I didn't want to stand up anything. <laughs> I didn't want 
to create virtual machines. I didn't want to create containers. I, I didn't want to create anything. Here was an interface where I could just open it up, start writing code, hit test, and I could, <laughs> through a GUI, I didn't have to write any configuration files. I mean, it, it's overly simplistic. It, it, it doesn't scale that way of writing code, and I'll, I'll run through some of the problems I ran into, but it was so easy to get going and so easy to prove out my ideas. And yet, it was apparent when you looked at some of the, the tool sets that are around serverless, you could build on it and industrialize it and operationalize it. It wasn't a dead end. It wasn't a toy. It was clear that you could, you could, turn, you, you could manufacture you know, complete services out of this. So, um, and I didn't have to manage virtual machines. I didn't have any concerns over you know, patching of infrastructure or networking it was all it was all there um, so very very simple to to access and get into Matthew started with AWS Lambda but I was curious to see if he explored the serverless offerings in Azure and GCP no because uh, I, I didn't have very heavy requirements at that point and so my guess was I was using the market leading environment and there was no reason I hadn't encountered any problems or issues uh, and so there was no reason for me to look at the other environments. So now I'm thinking can anyone start playing with this? Are there any costs involved? Uh, yeah, uh, no at that point I think I was on the free tier and uh, the free tier will take you quite a long way. I think it's something like a, a million calls a month and there's so much time allotted and you, you can get an awful lot of value out of that free tier. So um, it took quite a while before I breached the free tier. And in fact, for the service I've got running today, it still runs a few days a month using the free tier allowances before it breaches those. So Matthew, I know you're a big Python fan and very skilled in using it. So I guess you le leaned towards coding the functions in Python. But did you consider using any other supported languages? Didn't consider it because I didn't want to take. I didn't want to take on learning a new language at the same time as learning a, a, a new piece of infrastructure. So, I am aware it supports others. Um, I'm really not aware of which ones the most commonly used. Um, I'm becoming increasingly unhappy with Python. I've used it for 20 years, and I, I'm, I'm starting to learn Go, so that's, that's my next, uh, next adventure in languages. So clearly coding in the AWS console is not the way forward. Let's see how Matthew moves on to the next stage of his project. So the problem I ran into was uh, that it's clearly unsustainable to write code directly into the console. Uh, I need to be able to write it offline, um, uh, put it into a repo, and deploy it. So I picked up the serverless application model the uh, AWS SAM, uh, and that gives you a structure for uh, automatically generating uh, cloud formation stacks that have all of the resources within them, uh, including the, uh, the Lambda functions. Uh, so you can deploy multiple functions and the DynamoDB and the, uh, the SNS topics and the SQS queues uh, and the S3 buckets in a single action. And uh, that, that was... Um, that was a great step forwards, and uh, it supports things like local debugging, which I've never really take, taken advantage of, but that lets you run your serverless code locally before you run it remotely. Um, 
and that worked well. Uh, but I quite quickly ran into a problem because I have decided to subdivide my service into multiple stacks. Uh, so what that means is I've got a, a central stack that holds my Dynamo database and my API gateway, but I have modular secondary stacks that I want to deploy and remove so that I can have different instances of my service with different capabilities in them. And I can also uh, offload development to third parties for a particular stack, but they don't have to have access to my main stack. They just get to deploy the secondary stack. And the service application model wouldn't let me deploy and it doesn't appear to support deploying an API gateway in a main stack, and then you deploy a second stack, which then augments that original API gateway. You can't add extra API gateway um, oh, calls. Yeah. And so that was the significant limitation that I didn't seem to be able to overcome. And so I looked around, and the serverless framework does support that. And so I shifted, in the course of 24 hours, what I had to serverless, to the serverless framework. Uh, and that was hugely successful. I was, I was quite quickly able to deploy an API gateway in one stack and then have a second stack that I could deploy and uh, undeploy and redeploy without uh, modifying the, the initial core stack. And that second stack would add and remove API gateway calls um, from, from, from the API gateway. And I'm now up to... 12 stacks and so I can each of those adds extra calls to my my core API gateway and the serverless framework has, has proven to be tremendously flexible in a number of ways there's over a, a thousand plugins for that uh, for that framework so I can do things like I have four separate environments from development through to production and they have different parameters in each of those environments mm -hmm. so my my dynamo database in in production has very different read and write capacity to my development Dynamo database. And um, you know, I, have, I have multiple domain names on my API gateways and uh, right. uh, it manages all of that. So um, that's proven to be a very flexible, very flexible tool. The serverless framework gives you everything you need to develop, deploy, monitor, and secure serverless applications on any cloud. That's their catch line. Now let's hear Matthew's explanation. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tool, uh, I'm using it as a, it's a command line tool. You write a, uh, a YAML uh, spec that describes the stack you want to deploy. Uh, you specify the serverless plugins that you want to use. So for instance, a simple one is uh, the serverless log retention plugin. You can then define variables in your, your stack specification that say how long you want to retain your CloudWatch logs for. And then you write a specification for each of the Lambda functions. Uh, and you can define uh, IAM permissions. Uh, you can define relationships with resources that are in other stacks. You can publish resources from this stack to be used by other stacks. And then it's SLS is the, the command line command. SLS deploy will deploy your stack. Um, I use SLS deploy and I, I have parameters to deploy the stack into development or production. Um, and you can then observe logs on your command line. Um, I found it to be very, very simple to understand, very flexible. I've experienced very few issues with it. 
So I guess the serverless framework isn't bespoke to AWS. So that's one of the selling points of the serverless framework uh, over the AWS uh, SAM model is it does target multiple serverless environments. So um, if you are targeting GCP, you can use the serverless framework on GCP. I have no experience of that, um, but it does seem to be, it's an attractive aspect of it that you could in theory target multiple serverless environments. Oh, so I guess this allows you to move from one cloud hosting platform to another. I've never tried that, so I don't have any. But in theory, that. I guess. But in theory, and that's, that's where the serverless framework is heading to be able to give you cross-platform implementation. So, so far, so good. Let's have a quick recap. For Matthew, he experimented with some simple function code using Python in the AWS console. He then adopted the serverless framework, which is platform agnostic to support his solution architecture. And if you don't exceed 1 million transactions per month, it's free. Super. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, can, uh, you can very quickly get running in that console, and it lets you explore you know, the variety of different ways that you can uh, attach uh, Lambda functions to various event triggers. Uh, and that's, you know, it gives you a, a very easy to, to use playground, but it's, it's not sustainable. I, I wouldn't go to SAM. I'd go to the serverless framework immediately if I had my time mm -hmm. again. Um, and the range of plugins there, there's a, there's a lot of people documenting how they're using it. Right. Uh, and it, it's proven very robust and uh, very usable and very extensible. Obviously, not everything is rosy. Matthew now shares one of his challenges. You know, I've, I've now got into some situations. So one of the limitations of AWS Lambda is that uh, you can only, your Lambda functions run for a maximum of um, 900 seconds or 15 minutes. Uh, and I have some tasks that run longer than that. And again, with my aversion to wanting to stand up uh, virtual machines, I, uh, I have Lambda functions that trigger containers, uh, tasks in containers in the Elastic Container Service, and they queue up a workload in a, in a queue, and the container fires up, runs for however long it needs, uh, one or two hours, finishes, puts, a, puts the results back on a queue, and then there's another Lambda function that's triggered, picks up the workload and delivers it back. Cool. So you are utilizing Lambda to run workloads which have a short runtime, but then execute other Lambda functions to spin up your own containers to handle the jobs which require more time. Yes, yeah, and that's, that's proven to be quite reliable. And as I, I'm, I'm, no, uh, I'm not a, a huge container guru, but it's, it's, I've dipped my toe in the container waters now, and that's, that's proved quite flexible as well. So is serverless the future and the approach which we should all start to adopt? So it fitted well for my use case, which was um, a small one. It was a side project that I had, um, and I had this immediate scaling requirement. Um, it was a, a back-end service that a, a front-end application was going to call, so I wasn't delivering a public API. Right. Uh, if, so if I put my security hat back on, um, then I haven't explored deeply the security of the Lambda environment. So if I was building workloads that had strict security requirements, so 
you know, if I was handling confidential data, so if I had uh, card data in there, or if I had uh, transactions that I needed a good deal of assurance on, then I haven't explored that, and I might have some reservations there to begin with. There's a lot of security concerns that are glossed over in when people are teaching uh, Lambda functions. It's a bit like when I learned the C language back in the 80s. You read Kernighan and Ritchie, and they never address security concerns. And if you look back at the K&R books now, they've got buffer overflows littered through them. Um, and it, it seemed to be a bit like that with the, the serverless ecosystem. Everyone's, uh, you know, excitedly documenting how to build serverless systems, but there's a lot of the security concerns are being glossed over. And I was able to gloss over them because I only have a single client, which is my application uh, layer, calling my backend APIs, and I can protect all of that with TLS and, a, uh, and an API key. And I've not had to address, I'm not handling sensitive data either. So I haven't had to address a lot of the security concerns. So I'm still not confident I'd recommend it for highly secure workloads, but that's, that's an aspect I'd like to explore because I think the flexibility and ease of use of the technology is going to cause huge take up in the next few years. You know, the fact that you have no infrastructure concerns mm -hmm. um, is, is tremendously attractive and powerful, but you are still running your code on someone else's computer. And so there are, there are security concerns. It's just, I don't think we've, I've, I've not explored those yet and, and I've not found good explanations of how to tackle them. So are you saying there are two security concerns? The first one being that your application code is running on infrastructure managed by somebody else. All cloud is running your code on someone else's computer. It, it's the fact that in serverless, it's particularly opaque to you what you're running your, uh, your workload on and what else might be able to access it. So, you know, one of my early experiments was to say, my serverless code is running, but the, the, the must, there's a file system here. Let's list out the file system that it's running on. And then it's, it's apparent that your, your serverless code is actually being instantiated in some kind of container. I haven't drilled into exactly how AWS Lambda is constructed, but it's obvious it's running in some container in a, a virtual environment somewhere. And I haven't investigated what's to stop someone else in the environment triggering your Lambda function. Mm -hmm. um, what controls are, are there on that? I've, I've not explored that. I'd have to explore that before I'd be happy running uh, more secure workloads on it. Is the second concern secure coding related and also in your case the adoption of the serverless framework? So I set so there's all the normal AppSec concerns so uh, any data that the Lambda function receives has to be treated as untrusted and so you have all of the normal um, all of the normal concerns there um, so none of that changes in a serverless environment the uncertainty is as I said is exactly what is the environment that it's running in and how open or closed is it and that is all invisible to you because AWS Lambda are managing that so um, there's a for me at the moment there's a level of discomfort about exactly what environment am I deploying this code into I don't want to be involved in managing that environment that's the purpose of serverless but I don't understand how it's secured what's the state of your serverless adventure with this project yeah, it runs 24 hours a day. Uh, there's a constant workload on it. Um, I've had great success with packaging um, tools and deploying them into serverless environments. So I have an, an Nmap uh, package 
So I have a serverless, I have a Lambda function that wraps nmap and can run nmap scans, for example. I've taken Ruby packages and packaged the Ruby environment inside a Lambda Python function, which is a perverse thing to do, but let me very quickly take an off-the-shelf Ruby package and deploy it inside a, a, a Lambda uh, function. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, uh, it's, it's proven very robust. Uh, the only the only trouble I've got myself into is it, it's a very scalable environment and I've accidentally triggered massive workloads on it. So um, I, I mentioned wrapping Nmap, I've accidentally triggered uh, thousands of Nmap uh, processes, which are, it's, it's amazing that it handles it, it and it did handle it and it, it, it uh, my bill that month was, was something to behold. Um, and so I've now had to build in controls that prevent it from scaling massively because uh, it's clear that it would scale way beyond my wallet if I let it. Are there any other projects that you have kicked off which you would like to share? So I briefly uh, looked at um, whether I could reproduce the Have I Been Pwned service. Uh, I was interested in whether that could be built in serverless and DynamoDB. So I downloaded, uh, or I had, I had my friend Bob download some of the uh, password breaches, uh, torrents that are available with, with hundreds of millions, if not billions of passwords in them, and tried to reproduce the Have I Been Pwned service as an experiment. And uh, that was that was interesting and useful, and, and in a few days, yeah, I had something that would uh, could load at scale hundreds of millions of, of um, email addresses and passwords, and then query on them, and would uh, scale up and down the database capacity to allow very lo uh, fast loads to happen, uh, but then scale down the capacity to allow uh, a low number of uh, writes uh, reads to happen. So, um, yeah, that's something I've been looking at, and it's obvious that uh, the technology is capable of, of delivering that. What advice can you give to the listeners wishing to venture into the DevSecOps space? The only way I find I can learn these things is I've got to have a pet project. I've got to have an aim. I've got to have a goal. So I've, I've got to have something functional that I want to deliver using this technology. Trying to learn the technology in the abstract just never works for me. So I always have to have a, an aim. So, you know, my, my son's learning, learning Python and the only way he could find uh, to, to, to learn the language is to say, right, I want to solve Sudokus uh, and wow. I want to write a Sudoku solver. And that gave him you know, the goal and then he was able to use that as a vehicle for learning. So you know, it was the way I learned serverless. I had a very clear aim. I want to mm -hmm. deliver a service that does this and that's going to be my vehicle for learning. And all of the challenges that I met are the way I... I expanded my knowledge and learned the technology. So it's, yeah, find that it, it, it doesn't have to be a significant uh, aim. It can be something trivial like solving Sudoku's, but uh, if you get that aim and then use that as the vehicle for learning, that, that would be my recommendation. How has the skills and experience gained through these projects helped with your consultancy engagements? So uh, it's, interesting to go to companies that are in different stages of evolution. Uh, some of them are uh, not, are just entering 
cloud environments. Some of them are just dipping their toe in the cloud waters, even though so some companies are totally cloud native from the ground up. Some companies are just starting on this journey. And it's, it's really useful to have this perspective uh, of what the serverless environment uh, can deliver, because these companies who are just entering cloud are just starting to think in terms of virtualizing infrastructure, having infrastructure as code. And it's really useful to see what they might be looking at five years down the line, because I believe serverless is just going to grow and grow and will overtake many of the existing ways of doing things in cloud. Mm -hmm. So it's really useful to see what their end goal might be. They don't want to hear about it now because they're just starting their journey, but it's useful to see what their end position might be like because you can help them avoid certain dead ends along the way. So it's like their future is your present. Cool. It's exactly like that. It's like being a time traveler. You're in the serverless, serverless world on, on my side project. And, and then in the day, I go back to organizations that are just saying, well, cloud's on our roadmap in 12 months time. And you think, yes, I just, uh, yeah, I've come from that future. And yeah, here's some of the directions you should go in. So I don't know, you think about, here's what you're going to have to think about in terms of secrets management, or here's why your current infrastructure scans are not going to, that methodology is not going to fit once you get into to cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's quite useful to have that, 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 uh, that time traveling ability. What's the best way for our listeners to contact you? Oh, I'm quite old fashioned, so it would be email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or come through my good self, Michael Mann. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I Absolutely. can bridge the gap. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to share? No, no, I've nothing to add at this point, uh, except uh, after this, I shall get back to my, my lockdown purchase, which is a 3D printer. So I'm having fun learning 3D printing at the moment. Thank you for coming on to the show to share your real world experience of adopting serverless. I'm sure we will catch up soon. Thanks very much. <laughs>